I don't know about you, Reed, but I always hate being on camera during a Zoom or a Teams call, particularly like for early morning meetings or late in the day meetings. I mean, I don't mind it. I'm not a big fan of a bunch of weird backgrounds unless you want to blur it. It looks like we can now do more than that. Yeah. In October of 22, Microsoft introduced mesh avatars for Teams. They say it's one of our first steps to enabling metaverse experiences for customers, albeit through Teams. Well, people know that I'm actually not there. Like, can I just send the avatar to the meeting? Maybe you could power your avatar with a chat GPT interface. I got to get our dev guys on this. This is genius. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into digital tools, solutions, and strategies that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information with you and have fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome to Touchpoint. Welcome to episode number 324. That is Chris Boyer. I'm Reed Smith. Welcome one and all. You think it's Chris Boyer, but is this really an avatar of Chris Boyer talking to you, Reed? Yeah, who knows? I have it do all kinds of stuff. I don't well, I don't want to do. I'm just going to send it in my place. Hey, wait, are you saying you don't want to do podcasts? Come on. I know. I enjoy doing this. Highlight of the week. So yeah, so thanks uh, one and all for joining us. Welcome back if you're a return listener. Just a quick uh, bit of background. Touchpoint.health is the website. So if you'd like to know more about this show, what we're talking about, what we've talked about in the past, you can navigate over there to do that very thing, touchpoint.health. While you're there, you'll notice something called the TPS report, name, email address, and we will send you one email, exactly one email each and every week on Mondays, five articles to get your week going. Love to get your information and hopefully be able to provide you a little extra value there. So we'll pause here for one second while you go on your digitally enabled device that you're on right now and uh, sign up for the TPS report again, touchpoint.health. And we'll be back with today's show. Chris, in today's digital age, your online reputation, as we all know, is crucial. With customers relying on online reviews, your first impression is also compared directly with your competitors. Sure is. And Reed, consider this. 86% of patients today read online reviews and 73% demand that that healthcare provider has a minimum four-star rating. Demand. They demand it. Yeah, they do. Well, to stand out, choose reputation to help amplify your brand and to build trust. Be the provider of choice in your area, understand patient sentiment, get actionable insights, and even foster patient loyalty. And look, here's the easy way you could do that. All you need to do is go visit reputation.com slash touchpoint. That's reputation.com slash touchpoint, where you can download their healthcare online reputation management guide and build a reputation that performs for you. Today, Reed, we're going to be talking about, I I would say, one of my favorite topics that we talk about on this show over time, which is healthcare marketing technology stack or the MarTech stack. I would assume it's one of your favorite topics as well. 
It is. I, you know, I've, I've always liked technology just in general, even as a kid, you know, I would take apart tape recorders or you remember stompers? Did you have stompers? Oh yeah. Jeez. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Big fan of stompers. That may be my recommendation today. I'm not even sure they make those anymore, but anyway, <laughs> I, you know, I'd pull apart all kinds of stuff and go to radio shack and get the little, little wires with the alligator clips and hooked to batteries. And so I've always been fascinated with like how things work and are built. And, and so naturally as I've moved into you know my professional life, this is not quite the same thing. You know, it's not a device sitting on a desk or a piece of hardware sitting in a closet. Uh, well, maybe sometimes it is, but not always. But I, I like, you know, the way, you know, most commonly when we talk about technology, we talk about CRM and some of our databases, but how all that's wired together, what we're doing. And although we kid, you know, a lot of the avatars and the chat GPT, it, it was just kind of an extension of all of this. So it's just, it's fascinating to me. Well, I know you and I both like to riff on it and it is a bit of a nerdy topic, But I still think it's important for those people that we work with in hospitals and health systems that are in any way, shape, or form related to or impacted by what we do from a marketing communication perspective to understand a little bit more about the marketing technology stack. And so therefore, we're going to bring this up today. And in fact, we're going to talk about a particular nexus that we're in due to a number of factors that are at play right now in our industry where our healthcare MarTech stack is going through some significant changes, both in a good way and maybe in a regressive way, which is kind of causing what I what I call like a, a friction point. Hey, when I got into this, the marketing technology stack, I mean, we had a website. I had a digital camera that held about 35 pictures mm-hmm. and a printer that I printed out newsletters on. Uh, and then mailed to people. So that was my marketing technology. And then when you and I got to know each other, there was this whole set of new tools that were coming into play, right? Social media. I guess before that, though, was email communication, email marketing. Yeah, emails. And then, I mean, some level of database-ish CRM kind of world has has existed for some time, certainly. But yeah, it's, it's changed quite a bit. As you see, we're kind of like listing out elements of a MarTech stack, so to speak. The, the friction that we're kind of identifying here is that this marketing technology stack is becoming increasingly more technology enabled. Now we have chatbots and AI and CRM, the developments around websites and personalization and Google AdWords and analytics. There's all these things that are, are significantly evolving in the marketing tech stack. If you think about the way that we try to integrate and reach out to people, it is through a, you know, a personalized scenario. Well, that by definition then brings in the idea of privacy and HIPAA and, you know, all of those types of elements. You know, the friction is, it's like we want to be and give you information, you the consumer, you the patient that is relevant to you, right? That's not spam or super generic or whatever, but to do so, we have to know something about you. And so then this runs the risk of you know, all the privacy discussions that we've, we've talked about as of late. Yeah, that's a big, significant thing. And since we're in a very much a regulated industry, unlike mm-hmm. those organizations that are doing things with your data kind of willy-nilly, I won't say willy-nilly, but you know, like Amazon having these expansive profiles of you as a customer, we in healthcare, we have to be highly cognizant 
of how much we know about you and how we use that data and how much we protect that data, ensure that we're not sharing it unnecessarily, right, with uh, third-party companies. And hence why we think our healthcare marketing technology stack is evolving and potentially also regressing at the same time. Let's jump in. And of course, we'll reference a few articles to kind of guide the conversation. But you know, this is something that you and I live pretty much on a daily basis. This has conjured up a lot of thoughts and ideas and, and feedback for me, and I'm sure for you. So first article that we're going to uh, reference from insiderintelligence.com, the evolving marketing technology stack. This is a good article, and it actually references a study that you can link to in the show notes. If you link to this article, you can go get a deeper study. They have a lot of graphs and other things associated with it. But it basically talks about how marketing technology is changing and some of the trends they're seeing from a report that was done by the CMO Council and KPMG mid-last year, where they were asking marketing leaders around the country how they see their marketing technology stack evolving. And they came up with three major points for us to consider. The first one is around marketing technology is probably the most important and also the most difficult purchasing decision that a chief marketing officer can invest in. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I've been in this conversation personally for some time now, being new to an organization and evaluating, you know, what we have today and, you know, where maybe we want to go and trying to kind of set that vision. And But it's hard, right? Because I, this technology, by definition, is not inexpensive. Yeah. Therefore, uh, because of that, has a lot of scrutiny attached to it. And rightfully so. I mean, I'm not, I don't mean like, and it shouldn't. I mean, anytime you're going to spend you know, a large amount of money, people are going to want to know what the return on that is. And particularly when some of these tools promise that you can measure return, like CRM and campaign optimization tools, the whole premise of those tools is we want to know more about how effective our marketing is so we can measure return on our marketing investments. So to like our CFO, they think, well, that's great. Well, so give us the ROI of investing in a CRM tool. And which kind of makes it so much more difficult because, quite frankly, you have to invest a lot up front in order to see that success downstream. And in our space, for some of our marketing tactics that we run through CRM, sometimes you don't see any success of those three months, six months, even a year past when we launch those campaigns. So there's a lot of upfront investment that we have to do. That poses a lot of interesting conversations that we have internally around how much should we invest and where, how are we going to see the value of this investment? Well, that and so like, yes, and a lot of our ability to track and understand the success of our investment is not totally a hundred percent in our control. So you talk about data hygiene and how the consistency of the data across our organizations potentially it's great to have all these tools, but doesn't necessarily just mean, okay, bang, everything's fixed and I can measure everything. There's other inputs here that have to be solved for. So anyway, it's, it's interesting. I know that, you know, Staten here, they talk about seven out of 10 leaders plan to invest more in the MarTech stack, mainly to reach revenue goals. So again, people see this as a means to an end. So a second trend that they saw come out of this is that privacy concerns and changes to tracking are making things much more complicated. So the very things that these are promising to help support 
is now muddled, not just a little bit, a lot by the concerns that we have around data privacy and data security initiatives, as we were talking about, particularly in the world where there's a lot of third-party tools that we're using to help us with identifying how effective our marketing is. This is an interesting one. I mean, again, we mentioned it right at the top of the show around, you know, privacy and and that kind of thing. But I'll just be curious to see kind of where this goes over the next few months. You know, we're starting to see OCR findings and things like that relative to how we track things. Everybody saw the Metapixel commentary and concerns there. And now with some of the Google products, et cetera, this is not going to get dialed back. I don't think anytime soon. So I, I don't know. I'm just curious to see kind of where, like how far we go with the privacy piece. Third thing listed here is that it's you know necessary, and we've kind of mentioned this already, but it's, it's necessary to have and show ROI related to all this technology. Again, like I mentioned, stuff's expensive. They're talking here about the fact that CMOs have to explain to you know our finance counterparts what is ROI, how is this going to work, how does this impact the top line, and it's not just an expense. That's a you know it's an interesting conversation. I think people are starting to understand where we're coming from to some extent, but it still doesn't you know negate the need to uh, you know have these conversations and continue to have these conversations. Right. I agree with you 100. percent And I think there was someone, a very wise person, once said, "With great power comes great responsibility." Mm, there it is. Just getting my nerd cred in here, Reed, by quoting Spider-Man. Nonetheless, um, the point is, is that the more we invest in these tools, the more we have to show the investment is showing value to the organization. When we come back after this little break, let's you and I dive in a little bit to the unique challenges that our healthcare space has for us when we talk about marketing technology. We'll do that right after this brief pause. Coming soon from Greystone, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media, live from HCIC, a new podcast that brings you front row access to the latest innovative strategies that are shaping tomorrow's healthcare industry. In this 12-part series, as recorded live at the Healthcare Internet Conference, we'll hear from industry experts such as Paul Matson of the Cleveland Clinic, Kathy Smith of Roper St. Francis Healthcare, David Feinberg from Mount Sinai Health System, Rose Glenn from Michigan Medicine, and many others. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast series is brought to you by Greystone.net, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media. All right, so you know, let's jump in and talk about some of the, the challenges that are unique to our industry. We've Got an article here from, of course, our friends over at Forbes, uh, the unique challenges of healthcare marketing. Now, just as a quick qualifier, uh, this is from 2021, so pre-Pixel and you know some of the things we've already mentioned over the last several weeks, but MetaPixel and Google tracking and, and all that kind of stuff. So that aside, you know, we'll we'll kind of talk through some of these these thoughts here. Yeah, and this article is written by a gentleman by the name of John Keeler, who's a partner and director of strategy and insights at an agency, too. So, you know, he certainly has an agency perspective when he talks about the challenges of healthcare marketing. His agency works with not only healthcare systems, but also individual medical practices when they are trying to do marketing. He actually outlines a couple of things that we could use as sort of a backdrop to the conversation. So first of all, he says one of the biggest challenges in healthcare marketing 
is targeting. Well, I'll stop there. Let's see what you think. What's your reaction to that? Yeah, I mean, I agree because, and here's what, and we'll kind of get into some of the things that he says. My thought is the challenge that I have, at least with targeting, is they all overlap. And what I mean by that is, is you, know, you have a finite pool of people that you're targeting. They live in a certain service area. Your hospital, it's in a town. Your primary service area, these few zip codes. Your second service area, these few zip codes. Anyway, so you've got this finite amount of people that you're targeting. Well, that's fine. But as you start looking at targeting for pediatrics versus primary care versus cardiovascular oncology, et cetera, these are not unique pools of people. Like they all overlap. So it's like, look, I could send all these emails for all these different service lines, but the same person's getting all of these emails. So you start to turn to think about preference and prioritization and like, how do we reach out to these people and where does it make sense for the organization? And there's just so much more, it's much more dynamic than this kind of binary one-to-one, this person, this email, send it. You know what I mean? Like that's- Oh, Totally. It reminds me a little bit of, I know some health systems have adopted this concept that an individual is a whole human and that they try to treat them as a whole human, not as an orthopedic procedure or a cardiovascular procedure or what have you. You know, if you ever stop and do an audit of all the ways that we as a health system communicate with, just pick existing patients, right? Over the course of their care with you. There are a myriad of ways that we're communicating with them through the patient portal, through one-to-one conversations with their providers, through potentially email communications. Maybe they sign up if you have a newsletter. Maybe they are a follower of your social media accounts, and so they, they're getting messages there. Maybe they come to the, your website to learn information. There are so many ways that we can actually communicate with people targeting them is going to be very, very difficult. Like even picking individual channels is going to be difficult to do. You know, he talks about things like search and retargeting and all those types of things, which, you know, I don't disagree with necessarily, but I think it's a bigger, it's a bigger piece than that. Kind of like what we're talking about uh, when I start thinking about targeting. Next thing he mentions is, is HIPAA. That certainly does create some level of, as he calls it, nuance, you know, to how we actually market and uh, reach out to folks. It's interesting because he mentioned something in here that you and I have both said and said for years, which is these te- the technology. And in, I think when I said this, and probably when you did too, we were talking specifically about social media or new media, whatever we used to call it, but that technology outpaces the law, right? The, the legal side of the equation. So in this case, we're talking about HIPAA. It's like, sometimes it's like, it's a little disjointed. Like it doesn't really feel like it fits like the spirit of what we were trying to do or what HIPAA was meant to do. So while we do need to understand it, we've also got to work with our legal and IT folks. And it, it may not always be the decision you want, but it just kind of is what it is at some point, right? You know, when I came into this industry many years ago with my pure digital marketing chops on, right? And I was like, boy, we could do this and we can retarget it. We could do this. I would always get frustrated when I was talking to our legal or IT team. Like, why are you holding us back? Why are you not letting us do some of this cool stuff that we're doing? But now, 
after many years in the industry, um, they actually are a little bit more wise than I you know, came in with my rose-colored glasses thinking I could do anything. They have an understanding of some of the things we want to be cautious about, some of the, the landmines we need to avoid when it comes to data privacy and data security that, whereas before I thought it was a challenge, now I'm thinking it's a kind of a gift. Yeah, be friends with your legal team. Be friends with your compliance team. Be friends with your IT team because all together you can help you make better measured decisions, which kind of leads then to this whole concept of the marketing technology stack. This author calls out marketing, uh, a specialized marketing technology stack is critical for us. Some of the more popular marketing technology solutions aren't HIPAA compliant. And so now we, we have to make sure that we're leveraging tools that have an understanding and we're built with this concept of compliancy. Uh, I don't know. This is where you always see technology vendors from outside of healthcare wanting to get into healthcare because they feel like it's lucrative or, or whatever it is. And this is where it always makes me nervous is it's like, well, but do they really understand the space? You know, And so that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about the marketing stack. I think there is a lot of value in having a solution or a partner, a vendor, you know, however you want to classify that as somebody who works in the space understands the nuances of it. And this is probably one of the bigger nuances of it. If your vendor is willing to sign a BAA, this basically implies that they have a deep understanding of the safety and, and security of, and privacy that's needed when you're managing your patient data. So again, BAA was one of those terms at the beginning. I'm like, really a BAA? Cause that sounds so much like legal mumbo jumbo, right? But if you have that business associate agreement, it's going to be very important. I mean, ultimately what we're talking about is matching together marketing technology with data and measurement, even attribution. This is very frustrating. The author of this article calls it a tracking puzzle. And he says that in most cases, medical marketers have a difficult time automating measurement and they have to spend a lot of time manually connecting the dots just because of the environment. So when you think about attribution, like how do you define that? Like when you all talk about it or when you've talked about it historically as a consultant or whatever, how do you think about attribution? I see it a little bit nuanced, but typically attribution is what led someone to cause that action or to take that action, right? So uh, in a typical case, like from a marketing perspective, it's you promoted a webinar and people sign up for the webinar as a result of your promotion. That's an attribution that you can, you can take credit for. Yeah. How clean do you think that is? Because that's the hardest part of all of this, right? Is some of this stuff is such a long tail on it. You know, and again, I mean, I could pick something like transplant. It's going to be super long or maybe it's a elective surgical procedure. So I, who knows what? I think that's where it's harder, where it's not like retail, where it's just like somebody buys something. It's a simple transactional element of, you know, we advertise this thing. Did we see sales go up or down? We should know because it's either going to happen right then or it's not going to happen. That's, I think, one of the biggest nuances to me when I think about all the things that we deal with is how do we string all of this together? Now you're dealing with, I promoted a webinar, someone attended a webinar, and maybe, you know, in this example of like nurturing them to make an appointment. Well, along that whole path of making an appointment, 
there could be many different things along the way that complicate the matters. Does my insurance cover you? You know, they may be talking to a number of people. They may be reaching out to their friends or, or talking to the doctor themselves about like, should I be coming in? I took this webinar, but I'm not really sure if I'm qualified to get this procedure. There's a lot of factors that play into it. Then maybe they show up for an appointment. And in that appointment, it takes them six months or whatever in order for them to actually have a procedure. Then there's actually a billing transaction that occurs. And that billing transaction doesn't occur right away. It goes through insurance. And then suddenly it shows up in your reporting and you're a year out from when you know, the right. campaign actually stayed, right? And there's like a dozen things or even more that happen in between. Attribution is not clean in healthcare. It's not a simple one-to-one. You may could get to some retail environments around some on-demand stuff like virtual care or telehealth type options that potentially you would be a little bit closer to being able to do that, but I don't know. It's still not not super, super clean when you're thinking about this. So, Well, let's do this, Reed. Let's take one last break, and then we'll come back and talk about, in this modern healthcare marketing world, how we can evaluate strategically and maybe you know talk about a couple of ways where we could evaluate if what we're doing from a marketing technology stack is actually going to meet our current needs. We'll do that right after this pause. All right. So finally, to wrap this up, you know, how do we evaluate where we are, what we're doing, you know, that kind of thing. We'll link to another Forbes article uh, from our friends over there about the strategic evaluation of your MarTech stack. You know, this is something I think you and I both have been living for, for some time now, certainly myself over the last year or so, year and a half. It's interesting, right? Because it's not that simple because there's so many other inputs in dependencies, across the organization uh, that weigh into all of this? Lots of dependencies going on and lots of industry factors going on into this. And incidentally, what we're going to be talking about for the next few minutes, this is part of the the session that I'm going to be talking about at the upcoming uh, Healthcare Marketing and Physician Strategy Summit. So this is a little sneak peek into some of my thinking here. And you're thinking, even though you're not going to be on that panel We'll get your thinking in here too, Reed. Let's talk about like at, at a high level, like when you're looking at your marketing technology stack and you're trying to evaluate what you're going to be doing with all these things that we just talked about, how do we maximize our efficiency and return on investment here? And I think the first thing starts with understanding your current environment, understanding where you currently are. Do you agree? I do. And I would even broaden that So, I mean, there's the current setup of the technology that you have. I'm going to wager, I guess, is a fair amount of point-based solutions that have been around for, you know, varying amounts of time. CRM or marketing automation tools or chat, uh, your content management system, you know, et cetera. These things have all existed for various amounts of time. But also, I would say, you know, understanding the current setup as it relates to your organization as a whole. So what resources do you have in decision support and IT and finance and what tools are they using? How does your revenue cycle support, whether it's internal or a third party, fit into this equation? That's all part of the evaluation that I think you have to go down. And now, quite honestly, even on the clinical side, looking at remote patient monitoring and chronic care and wearables and hospital at home and all these types of things, how does that fit in? You know, and then your EHR certainly is a big component to all of this. So it's not just 
should we get a different CRM? That's a little short-sighted. Like, I don't think that really gets you there. It's really understanding how it all fits within the larger construct of your technology strategy. And how do they interact? How, how do they share data among them if they share data? And again, this is within the confines of a very secure environment. So what we're talking about here is not sharing it with Google or Facebook. We're talking about how does your EHR and your CRM talk to one another so you can make sure that you're you're communicating to the right people the right in the right ways. The other part of it is is looking at what you currently have and seeing are you using it? I don't know how many times I've looked at my Martech stack and been like, wait, we're not really using marketing automation the right way. We're using it as like a glorified email. That's a very expensive email platform. It's a whole lot cheaper to just go like sign up for MailChimp. Yeah, exactly. Contact or something. You just want to email folks. And then lastly, about scalability, what is your three-year strategy for your technology across the system? Can your tools scale with that? If you understand that, it gives you a better understanding of where you're at. What's the next step that you want to think about, Reed? Well, how does this work within your overall marketing strategy? And maybe it's maybe it's not even marketing strategy, but just your overall growth strategy or your overall consumer strategy, maybe, is a different way to say it. Because again, you know, it's not just about acquisition, right? So retention, leakage, referrals, like all, all those kind of touch points of how we're having consumers come into the system and, and utilize the system, or we're taking the system to them in the case of, you know, hospital at home or RPM or something like that. But how does this, you know, work in that context? Also remember that just because you have it doesn't mean you have to use it. So don't shift your marketing strategy to meet your technology needs. Like, oh, I have this widget and I'm not leveraging it, and I need to find value from leveraging it, I have to shift all my marketing to ensure that I'm using it. No, that's not how it works. If you have a technology within your MarTech stack, and your marketing and communication needs in the near or longer term don't need it, that's a really good indication that maybe it shouldn't be in your MarTech stack right now. Maybe you can revisit it and come back to it at a later date, but if it's not there, don't try to retrofit your marketing to meet your technology needs. It's the other way around. Last thing that they kind of call out here is aligning the current state to your strategic goal. So I do think there is some level of how do we make the most of what we have, right? But also plan for where we need to evolve. And that's kind of what we're doing today. It's like, okay, how do we optimize what we have? Knowing that, you know, we're, we're continuing to always look for not just the better mousetrap, but like, you know, a better experience platform and, and how do we, you know, take into account the broader idea of, you know, consumer engagement. So, uh, but you do, you have to line it up with, you know, well, what are you trying to do as an organization? Right. Where are you headed? What is your, your strategic vision for the organization in five years? How can you steal up your marketing technology stack so that it's there and can meet those needs? Because while, you know, I was just saying, if you're not using it now, don't shift your goals towards it. You do also have to understand where your business is going and making sure that the interaction between maybe your EMR and your CRM is critical for you in three to five years, right? Then that is something you want to look at today because you, you want to plan for that today. It's interesting because as I look at these kind of this guidance here about this evaluation of your MarTech stack, I think you could sum it up in a very simple way 
a kind of shorthand for you to think about it. What do you have or what was purchased in the past? What is your present need, your marketing strategy now? And what's the future, your strategic plan? Mm. You got to look at your past, your present, and your future in order to evaluate your marketing technology stack. Yeah. I mean, that makes a, a ton of sense. And I don't know that this is a one and done thing either. Because of those other parts of your organization, is, as well as the strategies, will evolve. So you've got to figure out, well, how do we evolve with it? These are all you know, great strategies and, and, and great things to think about as you're looking at your MarTech stack. You know, We'd love to hear from you of kind of what, what are you looking at? Where are you going? You know, what, what does that mean for your organization? What are you running into? What wins have you seen? What hurdles do you have? You know, we'd love to, love to hear all that. Absolutely. So let's take a brief last pause read and then we'll be back to close out the show. All right. So great episode. Um, this is something certainly top of mind will continue to be top of mind for, for some time. But again, like we mentioned before the break, we'd love to hear from you about what you got going on and, and what, uh, what you're seeing as opportunities. I mentioned the TPS report at the top of the show. Again, touchpoint.health is the website. Go, uh, go grab that and, um, and sign up there. We'd love to be able to send you an email at the beginning of every week, along with those five articles that we hope are value add. Also links to upcoming conferences. So you and I both, Chris, will be at the Healthcare Marketing and Physician Strategy Summit in Austin, Texas, April 17th through 19th. Uh, certainly you can Google that and find it, or if you sign up for the TPS report, there'll be a link there. We'd love to encourage you to come, attend, check it out. There'll be a lot of great content. If you're already coming, um, track us down. We'd love to, love to see you, love to say hi. So uh, looking forward to that. All right. Recommendations. What do you got today? Reed, I'm going to recommend something. I've been traveling the last couple of weeks, and uh, traveling means, of course, a lot of waiting in airports and you know, a lot of downtime as you're kind of in between stuff or even on the plane where you're, you're doing some work, but you need a little bit of a break or what have you. I downloaded a really fun game called Retro Highway. It was recommended to me when I went into the App Store. It basically is a very old, reminds me of pole position, but with a motorcycle nice. right that you're All driving right. down a, a highway and basically you turn your phone to the side and you use your thumbs to kind of navigate uh the little motorcycle back and forth basically it's just driving down a highway and doing different things like you could jump over other cars and you know you have different challenges collecting coins you know that sort of thing but quite frankly it's got a very retro feel to it it's like eight bit graphics right yeah i just have a lot of fun with it and it's one of these things where you could just jump in do a quick run. It you know it's not. It doesn't take long. It's kind of a nice stress release. I guess. I guess I would call it. You obviously can, you know, have different types of cars, different types of maps, that sort of thing. But overall, I just kind of found it to be a little fun, and it's a good time suck or a time waste for me. So I appreciate it. So that's going to be my recommendation. If you're like looking for just something fun, mindless, download Retro Highway. It's kind of fun. It's free to play, and no ads. That's the other thing I like about it. There's no ads. There you go. That's my recommendation. Good one. I am going to recommend uh, something that's kind of useful. You know, most everybody has TVs that are probably hung on the wall. Maybe it's on a piece of furniture uh, still or something like that. But there's times where either the size of the piece of furniture doesn't fit exactly to like where you want to put your television or 
maybe you don't have a plug on the wall and you don't want to pay to you know have an electrician come and add a plug and all that, but you'd like a TV in a certain spot or have a little bit of flexibility even. Uh, maybe you want to, you know, you've got a back patio and there's not a place to really leave a TV, but maybe you want a TV out there occasionally to watch ball games or, or, or whatever. And I've got a solution. On Amazon, Pro Mounts, Pro Mounts Modern Tripod TV Floor Stand. So this is a tripod, if you will, that looks, it's really nice, heavy metal, it's got wood legs, mm. uh, really nice looking. And you mount your TV on it and it swivels 180 degrees and uh, so you oh. can put it in the corner of the room or, but it, it looks really nice, like a piece of furniture would, has some nice cable management to it. And the best thing is it's like 75, 80 bucks, something like that, you know, so it's way cheaper. It's about the same price, quite honestly. It'd be cheaper than buying a mount and having an electrician add a plug. And it's yeah. certainly cheaper than buying a piece of furniture just specifically that would work, but gives you a lot of flexibility. And, you know, the one I got, I think it's for TVs that are like 47 to 70 inches or something like that. So, I mean, it'll hold a TV. So again, if you had a back patio that it's like, well, I don't really have anywhere to put a TV out here, but I'd like to have one occasionally, you could put one on there and be able to carry it outside and plug it in, you know, with streaming and internet, you know, you could probably get away with that easily. But uh, it's cool. It's cool. So we've, we've, you know, it works good for bedrooms too, where like maybe the TV needs to go where there's not furniture or something like that. So Pro Mounts Modern Tripod TV Floor Stand. That's really cool. All right. Well, thanks everybody. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, reach out. LinkedIn is probably the best way to track us down. But yes, if you're going to be in Austin for the Healthcare Marketing Physician Strategy Summit, let us know. Love to say hi. And there's people that should be on the show that we should interview, topics we should cover. Let us know that as well. So just really appreciate all the support and look forward to seeing everybody soon. So for Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith, and we'll see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.